I think it's dangerous if you're in a position where you think you know mm -hmm. the problem really well and you know what the customer wants because you may take for granted feedback whereas like like you said there are always surprises in it and always different perspectives so that 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 feedback is always valuable we are back with another episode of the cold star project the podcast about the unexpected challenges of scaling i'm here with peter loving founder of the SaaS founders and execs group on facebook and uh, we're going to talk today about some of the follies that he has seen with software as a service founders uh, and the folks who interact with his group, all very good people. I've been a member, I don't know, six, eight months, something like that now. And yeah. uh, it's, been, it's been fun to be in there. So, Peter, thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. Great awesome. to be able to, to come on and talk with you. Yeah. You bet. Yeah, let's try and help uh, SaaS founders today with uh, some of the most direct things that we can. I, I always find that... Um, Software as a service people are great with ideas and they want to jump into the the business and solve a problem. They get a brainwave maybe and then a lot of them go, oh, how am I going to get customers for this? And uh, and that is a problem. <laughs> a serious yeah, problem. Sure is. You have to overcome. Yeah. Um, what have you seen about this and, and what are kind of some symptoms maybe around it that uh, would let you know that folks need help yeah. in this area? Well, yeah, I find a lot, a lot of founders of of SaaS are, are kind of like you say many are ideas people right and and they also are creative people they want to build their own thing they like to build a product they want to they want to kind of solve a problem they're also ambitious they they're, they're um, often entrepreneurial um, now I, I find that a really common problem one that we see over and over again which actually still happens I still see it happening and I've seen it happen in my group people talk about it is that they they, they start building something before they have uh, an idea of what the real problem is mm -hmm. and they start building something before they have an, a, a good strong concept of how they're going to get customers and where they're going to come from so that, that that's a really that's the, I, I think that's probably the most common one with the early stage founders right and I'll have to echo that I have seen that for 10 years plus yeah, yeah. <laughs> not, you know, people. It's not a yeah. thing that is new, and uh, it's. You would think that people would get that, but uh, tell, tell yeah. me a little bit about what you've seen as far as like business fundamentals and that level of knowledge, maybe that software as a service creators uh, have, yeah. well, have. that you've seen. Well, I'm seeing a lot of people in two areas. I'm seeing a lot of people that are very savvy with software, and that they 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 understand SaaS. They understand. You know, they're very tech literate okay so they're either technical people they're, they're developers or they are very good marketers but they've been working on the web for a while so they're building tools that are often targeted almost targeted at SaaS companies so you see a lot of SaaS products targeted at SaaS companies so you get this this kind of chain of uh, hmm. uh, of, of customers um, and part, part of that I can understand why it's because I looked into this a little bit more and I found out that software companies are the biggest consumers of software because by, by nature i mean it makes sense because they're very familiar with it and they know that systems can improve um the way their business works uh, the speed of getting things done the efficiencies and the access to information um so they they that that's one group and the other group i've seen are people coming into SaaS for solving a problem from a specific industry or sector uh, and they, they're coming from outside of mm. working in tech. So a lot of these things are new to them. You know, they still, you, you know, lean startup, uh, even though we consider that quite an old 
concept and, a, and book now, these are things that some of these founders haven't learned yet. Um, so, so they're coming in and they've got really good domain knowledge of their sector and their industry, but they don't have good domain knowledge of, of building tech and, and what it takes to make a company succeed in, in SaaS like that. So, so com I think that that's the group that has the biggest challenge with spending a lot of investment time and money into their product without getting traction. Um, so I think you asked about a story. So I've seen people that have spent around 300K building their product and have, haven't really got customers yet and, mm -hmm. and in the last year. So, you know, part of, part of what I aim to do in my group is to prevent that kind of thing happening. Um, but I'd see that as kind of like one of the first lessons, really. You know, okay. so, that, so it gets much deeper from that. Yeah, but that's the kind of thing I've seen happening. Um, the, the problems I've seen with the founders who are tech savvy and know how to build products it's just like kind of like the lack of business systems processes knowledge and where to get customers and how to make a repeatable scalable um system for generating customers for their product um and yeah and the challenges you know like funding building a team um putting processes into place managing the product there's just so much work that's involved so so even if they're tech savvy they have challenges in that area okay peter yeah in in your group and that and you've got these these folks coming in there from two kind of distinct streams that you've been talking about what's the one thing that you wish you could get across uh to these folks like if you if you could just give them a pill or push a button or something like that and uh you know, instantly they've got it and that would give them that leg up you're like okay um, now i can do something to help you folks what would that be well see i, I tend to focus myself on on, on products so i'm come from a design background uh, I studied product, product design back in uni and I've worked in design and, and product design ever, ever since um, for software. Um, so for me, it's always the ability to create an intuitive product that has a great experience mm. and really solves a problem. And I find that that gets overlooked a lot. It, it really does. And I see a lot of products with a, a really bad UI um, and, uh, and frankly, kind of not necessarily solving a real problem. And there's a lot of copycat products, you know, there's a, a million and one that are doing, you know, similar kind of things, similar CRM, similar chat bot kind of tools now. Um, and there's, they're kind of, some of those are struggling to get traction. Some of them are struggling to find the area. And, and I understand that's a journey, right? And it depends on the stage and how long you've been going because some of them that have a bad product and a bad interface, they're, they're going on this journey and they're just at an early stage. So it, it does take time. But yeah, the one thing that I, I, I wish I could give them a pill to, to, it's kind of like what I'm mentioning is kind of three things. It's like if I could give them a pill that makes their product solve a, a real problem, with a really good interface and a, and a fantastic customer experience. So it's all coming from, for me, it's always from a product perspective. Okay, very good, very good. Uh, so we get folks who might be listening to this and going, well, Peter, Jason, how the heck am I supposed to validate a product without having it, right? Yeah. What would you tell those folks to do? So there's um, a couple of ways of doing this. The, the, 
the way, and it depends again, it's all dependent on the stage of where you're at. So if, if you're, should we start with somebody who's starting out and they're at the very beginning? Sure, let's, let's yeah, yeah, let's do with what we see the most common out there, which is SaaS founders getting a brainwave and going and creating a product that solves a problem nobody ever asked them to solve. And then going, oh, there's no buyers for this, darn it. <laughs> so yeah, let's just, intercept yeah. them before they get to that point, let's say. And they're like, oh, okay. I think I should make a SaaS. Yeah, so, so, so the first thing I'd get them to sense check is where their idea came from and the validation of that idea. So is it an idea of something that they needed? Um, is it an idea that solves a problem? Because I've spoken with, with several who, who've had a, a, an idea, but it's not necessarily solving a problem. It's like a tool and, and fine, there, there can be use cases for tools, but um, whether, you, whether you want to start a whole uh, you know, SaaS company and a whole venture based on that, I'm not so sure. Um, so it's sense check the idea and then the next thing I would recommend is don't start building a, a product don't let that be your first port of call um, your, your first step should be um, essentially trying to make sales and, and so I, I kind of feel like we moved on from the the lean model um, the, the lean startup I feel like it's already kind of an old, an old outdated model to build an MVP and then mm -hmm. and go through this I, I know it's working for a lot of people but it's also a very competitive market now and and the, the barrier to entry is much lower it's much easier to build tools now much easier to hire uh, you know cheap development to get to get an MVP done so I, I, I even say and I said this to many people start by selling 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 the solution and that could be you could solve that by a service and 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 um i think if you can if you can sell the service that solves the problem that, that you have an idea for that's one way of validating it now if you can stop replicating that service and turning it into a product and then and then building a process to deliver that service with a product it's a much more powerful place to begin with because you're getting revenue and you're and you're you're also learning the the challenges of the sale the kind of objections that you're going to have the process of that sale you you, you get much better insights into your pricing point um and there are challenges with that as well there are challenges of of, of taking a service and then pivoting that in, into being delivered by a product but there are many cases where where that uh, that journey is actually a really powerful journey and, and, and can transition quite well into building product so so that's that's one yeah that's one way i'd say to, to really consider starting kind of that way okay peter i am i'm excited over here <laughs> to hear you say that you don't like the lean startup mvp model because i've been thinking that for a while but i haven't told anybody and yeah, so yeah. To hear you say that is like, oh my goodness, somebody else is agreeing. Like they think that way too. Yeah, uh, yeah. I've, I've thought that way for a while now, and, and the, the more people I, I see that have doing, that you know, it, it was a really good, a novel approach at the mm -hmm. time, uh, but it's been ten years or more. So, mm -hmm. and, and I like I like so lean. I'm an operations improvement guy. I like this stuff as much as the next guy. And and I like the whole idea is not okay. Get your um, venture capital funding and then create this bloated thing because you can afford to, right? We're, we're fighting against that. Uh, however, there's something cheap about the MVP model that I feel anyway, that, that where it's like, oh, this isn't quite enough. Like your that customer experience thing that you're talking about is so important, right? And we, we go back to Jeff Bezos uh, interview from Amazon from the, the 90s. 
uh, has been coming up a lot in my LinkedIn feed where people are sharing it, right? And he's saying it's all about customer experience and having distribution uh, warehouses close to the customers is really important so that they get a great customer experience. And the interviewer clearly didn't get it and kept asking him, well, yeah. why aren't you an internet-based company? You're not an internet-based company. What are investors going to think? And he said, I don't care. Essentially, yeah. I care about customer experience, and I believe that the MVP model leaves a lot to be desired in that customer experience. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, the, the the beauty of that model was to be able to validate an idea with minimal effort and input mm. of both work and resource, right? But um, but the fact is, sometimes, and I've seen this happen, is that the idea doesn't get validated because the quality of the execution mm. doesn't get the buy-in. Mm -hmm. so, so that that can happen too you know um so so yeah there are there are a number of reasons i mean there's great things and, and also other things but the, but the thing is that the systems now are, are kind of in development right so that so the next way i mean social media is changing so much uh now um that that another strategy is to become more and more and more focused uh, almost in a niche or a certain market it's to just to really narrow down and narrow down mm -hmm. um, and, and although that can feel sometimes like you're you're minimizing um, to, to the smallest degree that your potential customers, um, that seems to be the, the way people are getting traction now. Um, so so rather than a kind of MB, MVP to a, a larger market, it's maybe a kind of service or solution to a very focused market and building up building out from there they recognize this is clearly for us this is clearly for me as opposed to something that we slap together and hopefully appeals to a broad range and, uh, and yeah. some buy-in comes from that um, that interaction that is required from learning the sales process though i think results in uh, if you get a good feedback loop going, <laughs> uh, understanding of what features that, that the target market values, because I've learned as a copywriter for over 20 years, the stuff that I think is important is never the stuff that they think is important. It's always different. And that's frustrating and weird. And I begin to think, <laughs> what am I from another planet? But uh, they don't like the stuff that I like. And so if I'm to write uh, or, or try and sell something to them, I need to find out what they value as opposed to what I value. And I think that reflection will make you create a better product and a better customer experience, right? As opposed yeah. to the MVP model. Yeah, I mean, one of the, the old recommendations was to build a product uh, on a, based on a problem that you have. And I, I always hear, still hear people say, scratch your own itch. And I've, I've kind of grown to dislike that term, but, but only because of overuse. And, and also, it's just the fact is that once you start building the tool, you're 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 encountering different problems you're you're kind of already moving away from scratching your own itch because now now you are a little bit distanced from the problem that you had at the time so how many times do you times do you hear founders talk about i had this problem and then i started this product and, and then they're two years three years down the line and the problem may have changed and they're not so connected to it so mm. getting feedback i think it's dangerous if you're in a position where you think you know the mm -hmm. problem really well and you know what the customer wants because you may take for granted feedback whereas like like you said there are always surprises in it and always different perspectives so that 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 feedback is always valuable and, and, and informative and yeah. i'll share with our listeners that feedback loops even after 20 plus years of real world experience in my neck of the woods anyway feedback loops are the hardest things to to get going they're 
So if you have trouble with them, don't beat yourself up. It's normal in my experience <laughs> anyway to, to have trouble getting feedback loops set what, up. What have you found the hardest things about that? Is it, is it just building a process that, 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 that actually goes all the way around and that you have, you know, the, the time factor of actually finding some, some insights and building that in? To, to your service yeah it's like you, you, first of all i'm a process engineering guy right the whole company is based around that so to have trouble with this is kind of funny right it's like wait a minute <laughs> this is this is the area of expertise so if we're having trouble with it i know the world out there is having a ton of trouble with it uh i think the biggest thing for us is we can't possibly think of everything and so we kind of have to stub our toe in order to realize that there's a problem there um, and that usually results in a troublesome experience at least once. And then we build it in so that that doesn't happen again. But to know, you need this experience base to know, okay, that's going to be a troublesome area. Or I've seen something similar to this before. Uh, I find that happens a lot. And then you can try and set it up uh, and automate it. Uh, but sometimes there might be the two-week lag that goes by and then you find out. And, and you constantly, like the urge to beat yourself up and go, yeah. darn it, we're supposed to be good at this stuff. How did we not see this? How did we not realize that this was going to happen, right? There's that law of uh, unintended or second order, third order consequences uh, where you change something and it breaks uh, a feedback loop that you had set up and you don't even realize it for a couple of weeks. And in the meantime, something horrible happens. So um, that, I think it's just unexpected unplanned for uh, roadblocks or speed bumps that keep coming up. Yeah. And I think, I, I, I don't know what your experience and, and listeners experiences is, but I, I find that systems and processes are one of the hardest things to implement into, into businesses. Mm -hmm. um, they're the, the most valuable part, but also the, one of the most difficult. So particularly for the type of founders we were just talking about mm -hmm. the very early stage, they have a real struggle with the resource of, of get, having a feedback loop in place and then actually implementing the, the necessary changes into their product or the way they deliver their, their product or result. Um, whereas opposed to a, a, a fairly um, mid-stage SaaS company that may have had a couple of rounds of investment and they've got a team. So they have up to a hundred staff that they'll have a growth team that's focused exactly on this. So right. I, I, where I live in Barcelona, one of the, one of the biggest SaaS companies here is Typeform, which you're probably familiar with. Um, and I, and I went into to, to a talk at Typeform and they explained how their growth teams work. And, their growth team is four people and they're constantly focusing on like very detailed, very detailed things, parts of like the, the behavior on the pricing page or behavior on a certain sign up. So for them, they can build this kind of fast engine of, of feeding back, uh, you know, getting the insights from the loop, feeding it back, testing, monitoring the results and gauging the improvement and then, you know, then starting another test. So, you know, ideally that's the kind of situation a good SaaS company wants to be in, but it's just implementing that early on when you right. when you're limited for resource and team members. That that's the difficult part, and I, and I think you have to be very careful choosing what kind of feedback loops you're focusing on, um, and 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 the scale of them. You know, so that you don't waste time and that you you, you do you choose ones that are actually going to make an impact. Right. Yeah, well, and we all know Pareto's law, the 80-20 rule, a small number of decisions or um, activities produce 
the large number of results, right? And so what you're saying there about Typeform's growth group needling in on these tiny behaviors on one page, right? That's where the yeah. impact happens. So great. Yeah. Focus your effort on that. I love to hear yeah. that. Uh, yeah. for, a, for a new, my experience with this podcast was uh, I initially talked to a lot of agency owners and SaaS founders, right? Um, and I've moved more to manufacturing and, and other topics and that. Uh, and I found in the first six months of doing this podcast, the SaaS founders that I talked to, if they were under a million dollars ARR, they would not focus on processes and systems. But as soon as they got to around that million dollar point, they seemed to get serious about it, right, in my point of view anyway, and, and knuckle down and start learning about systems and processes. Before that, it was very difficult to talk to them about it. They didn't really want to hear about systems and processes. They just wanted to hear about churn and sales growth. So what was your general impression that they didn't see the importance in it at that stage or they just perhaps I get the impression they have so much <clears throat> going on trying to make, you know, get, get growth and, and traction. Right. And my pushback on that would be if you had the processes in place, it would help you get the growth. Yeah, 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 quite. <laughs> sell, about, selling that idea has been tough. <laughs> I'll say that. Yeah, I suppose it is. But, a million. Yeah, yeah. Cause, well, some of those processes and systems are ways to gain traction, right? Like gain product mm -hmm. market fit and, 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 and grow. So, so in, in the very least, they sh you know, it would put them in a good standing to mm -hmm. implement some kind of product market fit process for, for, for their early stage, right. kind of early uh, attempts Peter, at traction. Peter, tell us a little bit about... Um, We've heard about the group and the folks in it and what you're, you were hoping, like, okay, I, I can stem the tide of craziness, right, and try and give them a bit of a foundation to give them a good head start in that. Tell us about uh, the kind of service that you offer, that you personally offer uh, to help yeah. SaaS companies and where, where should they be at in order to sort of plug into that or, or you know, get on the ride, I guess, <laughs> and be taken yeah. to, to a destination. Yeah, so... Um I, uh, the main thing that I, I do is, is, is consult on, on product, but really the kind of main areas are UX and UI. So, uh, and this can work for companies at different stages. So it can be, you know, the first iteration of a product, you know, that, that if a company has a good idea of their product and they've shown that they, they've demonstrated that there's a demand for it, that they have the ability to take on customers that they have, they've kind of proved that there's a problem and now need, need uh, to, to build their kind of first iteration. I would have said uh, of an MVP or, or perhaps, you know, their first actual version of their product, then um, helping them with, with, with that and the design the design of that fundamentally um but really the place where there's the most impact is where companies have already got their product and they've gotten some growth and now they need to make improvements to it the you know the ui is probably not to the quality level that it needs to be um the interactions are probably not as great as they should be and and the ux needs improving but, but the, there are different processes and like with like with any kind of service, each customer is unique. Um, I certainly find, and, and the struggle is kind of fitting them all in to, to a, a set service. So I do consult quite closely based on, on their needs and requirements, where they are, what kind of customers they have, what kind of uh, utilization they have for those, those 
customers um, um, and you know whether they have any any issues with retention and, and this kind of situation because the thing the thing that I want to avoid is to have them investing in UI when there's there's problems that need to be addressed first um, and and UX one of the areas where UX can come in is there. So, so I might, I might either say, you know, these are, these are problems you need to address or you need to rethink the experience, rethink the way the product works and, and rethink these issues. So part of that is the identifying common issues, but generally I find, you know, we were talking, we, we spoke about common challenges that SaaS founders have, right. But I actually find they're, they're a really intelligent group generally a very very savvy and switched on um a lot of the the, the customers and clients that might have us can be smarter than me right so um they usually have a really good handle on what they need and where their product is and the challenges they have um so uh, my, my kind of a lot of the times i'm consulting with them to really get to the bottom of that mm. and then implementing product design related services that, that are going to make a really big impact yeah generally that so okay. so yeah fo focusing on product okay uh is there an arr level that they should be at or it you see generally i, I know a lot of people kind of like to categorize customers mm. like in, into this way to find find the the, the best fit but i have worked with ones that are at kind of 10k mrr ones mm -hmm. before that and ones that have been turning over like over a million arr you know um ones of 10 million arr so yeah i i, I guess part, part of <laughs> it really does vary it really uh -huh. does vary yeah okay so that's part of a system part of a system or process for me might be to to really hone that Right, hone that in, you know. Right. Well, what? Yeah, I'd be curious at what point the SaaS founder goes. Okay, we've got something. It's repeatable. We've demonstrated that it can make money. We're actually helping somebody solve a real problem. Uh, but we know we're weak in some areas, and we need some guidance on what to do next. And uh, is there a trend at to what point in the revenue or customer count or something that they feel good about that? Yeah, it can be quite early on because there are two there are two situations. There's one where they don't necessarily have a product team yet, mm -hmm. so it's fairly early on, and they're not at the stage where they want to start hiring in in in-house designers and uh, product managers. Uh, and then, oftentimes, some of the founders are doing that themselves. Mm -hmm. Or there's a there's a later stage where it, it's a really busy product um, team, and they 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 need some kind of consulting and additional help so that those are the those are the typical ones i've seen the typical okay. stages okay yeah i haven't attributed an, an mrr or arr to that just yet mm -hmm. okay. we'll see maybe i'll be clear on it in a year in a year from now what's the most surprising thing that you have had come out of your group um like just having the group and interacting with the folks in there is there anything that's been like wow i didn't expect that to keep coming up over the the period uh, at it um it sounds hard to say this but the the thing that surprised me the most is the the quality the low quality hmm. of products out there 
the low quality of it um and and at first i was surprised by it and then and then later on i started to you know come from the perspective of thinking okay well there, there are a lot of people that are now realize her launching one product after another there are a lot of there are a lot that are trying to get into the marketplace and they've maybe built an mvp or a landing page um so these really early uh, early stage ones so i'd say low quality products and and me too copycat products Hmm. that's the thing that surprised me the most um and i'd like to kind of help people reduce you know mm-hmm. reduce that either 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 stop doing it and and, and give things come from a different angle when launching a product um, but then you get that in every industry you get mm-hmm. that in every industry and i also think facebook is um whilst it does have a really good quality and engagement i don't think the best SaaS founders are very you know i can't say a blanket statement like that but there are there are there are highly engaged highly high quality founders but i mm-hmm. but i still think the the most the busiest most successful founders have a very limited time in facebook groups right. like the one i have mm-hmm. yeah would you tend to agree with yeah, that yeah. I, I will yeah. absolutely agree <laughs> yours, yeah. yours and aaron crawl's group are the two that i see the most and uh, eventually or occasionally we'll have uh some super duper ring central type guy come in swoop in right um yeah you know we're lucky to have um uh andrew fletcher of convertry in uh, in these groups and talking and whatnot so he's he's kind of at the yeah. good level uh, yeah, and i know fun. i know he gives a damn about design and user experience because in his group and he's got neil merton there helping uh they they talk about this all the time and they have email sequences right that come out and tell you this is what we've created there's a convertory happiness which tells you these are the improvements we've made the bugs we've found and the feedback we got right yeah and i'd yeah. love to see more more founders doing that so yeah it's great when it's it's really great when you get those that that those type of founders in there and founders that are over a million ar and, and, and above um and, and they are there they are and mm-hmm. because i have the you, you know we all have some questions set when you enter the groups mm-hmm. um and i see some that will, will that will say they're at five million ar when they enter but you don't hear a lot of activity from them so they're in the group mm-hmm. and they are they are probably observing and they are seeing you know what's happening there but but you know it's it's great when they do occasionally input but i understand that, that they've got pretty demanding um uh time management situation <laughs> that's all that right. way <laughs> all right well i have super enjoyed having you on the show peter uh i'd like to bring you back in a few months for a discussion about ux uh, specifically uh sure. I think that would be fun if you're open to it and uh, yeah, so yeah, I'd be happy to. I've enjoyed the chat too. Yeah. Where, where can people connect up with you? Obviously that group, um, I'll let you. Yeah. Out. Yeah. The group is SAS founders and execs. Um, you can join there. Um, on my website is peterloving.com. Just my name, peterloving.com. Um, and yeah, it's, Generally, my, my main activities on the group and publishing on, on the site. So also recently, I've, I've started to manage Sastock Local in Barcelona. Are, are you hmm. familiar with Sastock, Jason? No. 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 Okay, I, so... I could stand to hear more about it. <laughs> you, um, you're Tell familiar us. with Sasta? 
in the States? Uh, SASTA. No. So, like, I think SASTA is the world's largest SAS con conference, and okay. SAS okay. SASTOC is Europe's largest one. Gotcha. Um, and now they're, they're currently doing, they're currently expanding in a similar model to Startup Grind. So they're having, they're opening chapters in major cities across the world. So I'm currently involved in, in managing Sastock Local for Barcelona. So that's another point. But that, that's only for people very local. But, okay. but we do publish, well, we will be publishing the live videos, interviews. We can certainly talk about that. Um, because even though it is a local experience, there are, well, locals everywhere <laughs> right so folks, yeah. folks in different places would probably like to hear about the experience and maybe do something similar yeah yeah there are great talks that come from it so they will also be actually they will be published on on sas.com kind of live as we do those talks so so that's another place you can see awesome. think, well, things if you want to shoot me a link or two to connect up to this uh, and put in the notes after uh, sure i will do those in yeah there. For, for folks listening, thanks for being here. Uh, there are a couple of other in, interviews uh, in my podcast that Peter made me think of. One of them was with Jonathan Kikebush uh, of SEO Butler, titled Scaling Results by Radically Improving Your Product Infrastructure. He had done very well and had this sort of ramshackle, hooked together Christmas tree ornament type thing uh, of of fulfillment and then went, wow, we've got to invest some money in redoing our website and our processes entirely. And so we had a show discussing that process. Uh, also, uh, for customer feedback and hearing the complaints of your competitors' customers so that you could get feature ideas and pain points and that kind of thing, Stephen Monaco, um, that was an early interview, talking about voice of customer programs, I think would be very good for folks to listen to. So thanks for being Thank here, you. Peter. Appreciate it. Thank you. Cheers for having me. Enjoyed speaking with you.